where we discuss and create a space to heal from religious trauma. Hi, welcome to part two. This one's going to sound a little weird because we're jumping straight into the conversation of where we left off. So if you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to part one. Let's talk about some of the rewards that we got as teenagers for the good things that we did. Let me just tell you this whole faith by works thing, rewards by works was a huge thing. And here's a great example. (laughs) So in this youth group, every single week we had a Bible verse that we'd have to memorize. Nothing wrong with Bible memorization for kids. Learn those Bible scriptures. We love that. They Mm -hmm. took it a step further. We had Bible verses that we had to memorize every single week. So during the typical school year, we would have to memorize and say to our small group leader to get checked off that we did it for that week. If you had all of those signed off throughout the year, and then at the end of the year, you had to say all of them at one time to prove that you did it, then you earned a spot to go on what we called a rewards retreat. So you earned your reward. You memorized all these verses. Good for you. Now you get to go on this little weekend getaway trip that we have. Um, Great incentive. only if you do that. If you didn't do it, if you failed to do it, you don't get to go. You don't get to go. Like straight (laughs) up they would turn you away. (laughs) Go home, friend. You're not coming this year. (laughs) Yeah. So talk about faith by work. I love the idea of memorizing a verse a week. That's a great way to keep Mm -hmm. your mind fresh, keep your mind in scripture, keep your relationship with God growing as you're learning something new. What this whole emphasis on the incentive program of if you do this, then you get to go. If you don't, well, all of your friends are going and you'll be alone. Like the emphasis on that aspect made me really good at cramming. Like I was cramming for a test. So basically, it did not teach me (laughs) proper memorization. It taught me I am really good at cramming for a test like the week before. Oh, yeah. So that when it was time to recite them all, I could just check, 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 check. So the premise of helping kids to remember scripture is great. What more or less happened to kids like me, I don't know who else experienced this, to kids like me is that we would cram it. Because we wanted the reward. Like we would do just enough that you could get the present. For a lot of us kids, that was a great incentive. You get to do this whole big shebang at the end of the year. Fuck yeah, I'm going to do it. Like you said, I didn't get any real memorization skills out of it. I have ADHD, Mm -hmm. so I'm really good at putting bullshit on paper. Could I tell you some of those verses? If you start them for me, maybe. Like they're still kind of in there. Mm-hmm. But I can't tell you where it is, what the verse is, what book it is. Any context? They're floating around in there somewhere. <laughs> That's the thing, too, because most of the verses were specified for whatever the topic was for that week. Let's talk about the things that we had to do also to be able to earn this reward. Oh, they used excellent. to give Go us ahead. notebooks. Um, oh, yeah. With the journal entries that we had to literally, like, yes. what did you read? What did you get from it? What has God shown you? So they would have prompts Mm -hmm. and you had to fill out every single one because your small group leader, nothing was private. 
would read it, check it off, talk to you about it, and if you didn't get a signature, you didn't pass go and collect two hundred dollars that week. It it did not help you grow at all. It made me all it made me do was that I have to put something on this paper that's believable. Or else uh-huh. I'm not getting my prize at the end of the year. Yep. They could believe anything they wanted. And why is that a problem and not just a normal thing that should happen in youth groups all the time? It's not furthering your spiritual walk or relationship with God. It is scaring you into doing things or else you won't get this. You have to do these works or you will not get the reward. It's not, let's cultivate your walk with God. What's he doing? Tell me about it. Read that verse. Did you not get anything out of it? That's fine. Not every single verse or every single book of the Bible is going to speak to you in some certain way or another. Like all of these older yeah. kids that were spouting biblical po- poetry at you because Jesus spoke to me and this is what he said. And let's pray to daddy God. Oh you know gosh, I mean? we're going to have to talk. Maybe when we do our Christian episode, <laughs> we need to talk about the way that people... um Christianese daddy god because that makes me want to gig that's problematic that's where it became problematic because it was Mm -hmm. very much just kind of pushing their mo instead of a healthy spiritual way that's going to give them the tools to be able to further their own walk i don't Mm -hmm. feel like it did that at all yeah i I want to acknowledge many of the things that were problematic for us when we were kids. They start out as a good idea. Like you think, oh, that's a really good idea. But the way that they were put into practice, like the journaling thing for the small groups, Mm -hmm. the way that it happened did not create the desired result that I think the leadership was looking for in the kids. It just made us really good at workarounds, really good at cramming for things, really good at pretending we knew what we were supposed to say, really good at like reciting what we knew was the required wordage for things, Mm -hmm. which is probably not what they were looking for, but that's what happened to us. No, no. And I feel like we got really good at reading our small group leaders and knowing what they wanted to hear. And then yep. regurgitating that information so that they would stay off our backs, honestly. Yep. Do you think that the whole writing in your journal and then having the small group leaders check that off was part of just the small group leaders? Because that was every single year that I had it, they did that. So do you think it was the small group leaders that did that? Or do you think that was the leadership that told them, hey, you need to be checking this out? I have no idea. I was never uh, involved in a leadership position, but it definitely feels like something that would have come from the leadership of the youth group would talk to the small group leaders who were very mm-hmm. handpicked actually the, who was allowed to be a small group leader which is another problem hand-picked. I have and why it feels a mm-hmm. little weird and culty because power was used to do things um, yeah. but I'm pretty sure what would happen is the leadership would have this idea we want to employ this and they would give it to the small group leaders who would then like make it mandatory for other people that were quote unquote under them in their small group. Yeah. So they had something where the small group leaders would go to their own little training at the beginning of the year before this all started. Did you ever go to one of those? I was never a small group leader. I was never um, spiritually mature enough. No idea what yeah, happens same. to those. So I went one year, um, the first oh. and only year that I went. I don't honestly remember anything that they did as far as like teaching for like, you know, preparing to be a small group leader for the youth group or anything. I don't remember anything like that. I do remember them telling me that you can come under the guise of I'm going to be 
a small group leader because I was moving my way up into this group. Sure. Yes, that was the next step. I was old enough and plenty of experience in other areas. Yeah. Why not? Going through it and then them telling me that you won't be a small group leader because, again, here we go. You don't believe what you're telling them. And um, we don't think you're spiritually mature enough to do this. That's interesting so. that someone else would make a judgment call for you like that. As if they know your spirit they and your made, heart. Again, they made judgment calls based on what they thought I believed and know. Like they knew me all the time when they didn't know me because they never wanted to get the chance to know me. They never, never did that. My entire basis in this group was your project for the perfect Christian kids. Sounds like you had some very arrogant people trying to tell you what your life should look like. Mm -hmm. Their personal view <laughs> of what they thought they saw. That's that's a problem. That is not how yep. Christianity tells us to work with people under us. <clears throat> no. All right. We got one more point to hit. Wrap this up. You want to tell me a little bit about the outreach that we would do? Once a year in the summer, in June, where we would travel our happy asses down to California and process peaches for a week. Okay. Tell me more about this. So here is something that we were given as an opportunity to serve God and to boost our, I'm going to say, boost our uh, credentials and our rewards that we were going to get in heaven if we participated in this. Mm -hmm. This is how it was presented to us. It was presented that... There are people less fortunate in the world than you, and there are people hungry, and we need to feed those people. And one way that we're mm -hmm. going to do that is we're going to go down to California on big old buses full of, full of the youth group kids. And we're going to go and we're going to work in a peach processing plant and we're going to work at a soup packing plant with dehydrated soup. We are going to feel really good about ourselves. We are going to feel like we are the best teenagers in this area because we are serving the less fortunate. First of all, let me just say really quickly, should you go and volunteer your time to help in a soup kitchen? Absolutely. Sure, yeah. Should you There's go and volunteer in a soup kitchen because you want to feel good about yourself and how amazing you mm -hmm. are and the things you can do? No, you should probably not mm -hmm. because your heart is in the wrong place. Yeah. I can't speak for everybody, but I know that myself and I saw it in other kids as well that would go on this mission trip. We were going because number one, we wanted to have fun because yes. it was fun. It, it was, was like a, a good old road trip. It was like a giant yeah. camping out with dorms, separate guy and girl dorms. It was like a big road trip, fun time with all your friends. Mm -hmm. We wanted to have fun. And we wanted to feel like we were really good Christians. We wanted to feel like we were, yeah, doing something important, which it kind of did a little bit, I suppose. Can you go into that more? So the the food that they would process and then ship out went to third world countries and you would always pray over the trucks before they went out. And so, I mean, it, it made you kind of feel good because, of course, you're helping those that are, you mm -hmm. know less fortunate than you are they're in third world countries they have pictures posted of all the places that they've sent all these places to and some of them are you know really really third world country yeah um so it was it was cool to see how far they were going and the need that they were meeting um it was cool to feel like you were a part of that too but yeah. also at the same time, of course, there were those people that I feel got a really big head about it, of course. Because mm -hmm. when you're being told as a kid that you're better than everyone, and here's an example of how you're better than everyone, you're going to go and do this volunteering your time 
Mm-hmm. To help people that are not as good as you. <laughs> yeah. Either on the social ladder or just like in general spiritually. <laughs> right. Um, there is one thing that I want to point out from these trips that I did always take away as a negative thing every year. Most of the time okay. I came away from this mission trip feeling like I did a really good job. And God Mm -hmm. is really big and takes care of people. And I think it's really cool that I got to participate in this. And it was a fun time. Mm -hmm. There's one thing that I don't know if this is just my perspective or not, that I always came away from. Um, We would have uh, a worship night at some point Ah. during the mm, mission trip. And... I don't know if it was just the people that they allowed to be in charge of the worship night or the way that it was run. But what would happen is there would always be somebody that wanted God to do something. I don't know if charismatic is the right term. What would happen during these worship nights is there would be kids raising their hands and singing to God with their eyes closed and like really into it. And at some point during the week, there's always, like, somebody has had an epiphany. Somebody has had a revelation. One of the kids experienced some big spiritual thing with God. And Mm -hmm. now everyone else wants to get involved. And they're in groups crying around the campus. And I never was part of any of those things. And I know it wasn't because God wasn't talking to me. It was Mm -hmm. just like, I'm not that charismatic kind of Christian. Right. (laughs) But the kids that had this experience were like, gold star, you succeeded on this weekly mission trip. And if you weren't part of one of those groups of crying women, you probably are not really a strong enough Christian. (laughs) That always bothered me. Well, always the ones who are part of that specific clique, too, who are always running that shit. And they would try to drag you into it to feel the spirit. And I'm like, I'm just going to sit over here and watch. Thank you. Um, Because it was, it gave me anxiety. It gave me severe anxiety, first of all. Second of all, what they were they were looking for was that reaction. Yeah. And they did it through music, too. So they would sing the chorus over and over and over again and build on it and build on it and call out to people. If you're feeling any type of way. That's exactly what it fucking was. It was emotional. It, spiritual manipulation? I don't know. A hundred percent, though, emotional manipulation. People were That's in their feelings, okay? <laughs> what it was. Everybody was in their feels. There was people crying, laying on the floor. People would gather around the crying person and start praying for this and that and the other thing of every non-specific prayer you could pray for. Um, Everyone's in their feelings. You just got to ride it. Everybody was in their feelings. So it was either that or they were calling out for somebody to say a sin out loud. Yeah, that was, a, that was a weird thing that, that happened. Please go that on, one keep year? going with that. Okay, so they were doing worship, and of course it was emotional manipulation using the music, using people calling out, asking for things. One specific year they were, I don't remember if somebody said something specifically, like I feel like there's somebody out there in the crowd that is feeling some type of way or struggling with something that needs mm-hmm. to say it to us to get it out into the open, you know, say your sins to Jesus or whatever and let us help you through that or whatever. And Mm -hmm. the thing that was said, I don't think needed to be said in front of a crowd. 
it needed to be said to somebody who they trusted who could help them through that non-judgmentally because i think there was a certain age group of kids that were there that did not need to hear that either yeah um and probably girls who were like i don't even know what that is (laughs) what (laughs) Uh it was manipulation i don't think that was right at all when we share experiences like this okay in my personal opinion interacting with christians not from this community when i share things like this the fact that their response is that was weird i don't think that was led by god that's not Mm -hmm. something biblical that you need to have participated in as a kid then i realize oh that was a religious cult Mm -hmm. emotionally manipulating people with music some people are very when they worship god they're very emotional and that's just how they worship god but using music as an emotionally manipulative tool to try to trigger something that is problematic Mm -hmm. that is not how we should be trying to interact with god that's like forcing someone to have a spiritual gift moment right there that's that's not how that works yes Yes. So that Which would I feel to me it's a problem. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. They did because they would say everyone has a spiritual gift and you need to find out what yours is. Here's the list. Figure it out. And if yep. you don't have one, you must not be saved. Exactly. If you didn't know as a 14-year-old child, if you didn't know what your big spiritual gift that god has given to every christian if you didn't know what it was mm-hmm. maybe you didn't actually have god yeah that is not a good way no, for a kid exactly to want to grow the relationship with christ that's going to just put Mm-mm. doubt in their mind and there is yeah. scriptural references to back up how you do not cause children to stumble you do not put mm-hmm. doubt into the kid's mind about god that is really important problematic cultish behavior of leadership spread down through the people involved in this youth group that filtered down and affected Mm us that's what this whole issue is that we have yes it is anything else that you want to add for today just a final closing question i think yeah go for it how do you think each of these outreach programs that we grew up doing um affected how you share god now or how you feel about evangelism and how did they shape you into who you are today these are great questions <laughs> do you, you fabulous want me to you like a little succinct response to this because i do have something if to you say want this. i have a you share your succinct response and i'm going to share a little backstory and kind of go from there so enjoy <laughs> okay how did these outreach programs affect how i share god now well like i said When I was a part of this youth group, these outreach programs caused me to become very narcissistic and arrogant in the way that I viewed sharing the gospel with people as like a checkmark for myself. Right. So when I came out of this religious cult and I realized that Jesus did not share the gospel to make himself look better, he shared the gospel because he loved people and he wanted them to know the truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, in my personal life, I don't think I could do the whole almost Jehovah's Witness esque 
like door to door evangelism. Well, people don't respond it's to pushy not necessarily religion. a biblical way of sharing the gospel. When Jesus mm-hmm. said to his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, he didn't say, every single person that you encounter in your day, you need to say, hi, do you know about God? Mm-hmm. Some people, that is definitely a tactic that they have. Oh, 100%. Seen it done. But doing that is actually not as effective as I was led to believe as a child. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna yes. say that. No, I... I 100% agree with that. Yeah. What was your what was your response or thought about this question? So growing up with this whole idea of evangelism needs to happen anytime you can make it happen and you need to, you know, here's multiple different varieties of ways that you can share God with somebody, whether it be in English or Spanish, because I've known both. Yeah. First of all, I didn't want to talk to people about that because that just felt so wrong to me. It was pushy. It was kind of mean honestly because you were so in their face about it and you wouldn't let them go and they're like trying to walk away and you're following them and now it's really fucking creepy um so (laughs) when i moved from this group when i was 18 i still had that brainwashed idea that Mm -hmm. anybody that i come in contact to i need to at least ask him a question about god so i'm leaving a seed or whatever yeah um i learned really fast to get out of that mindset because one it scares people two They don't want to be your friend if you can't have a normal conversation. I lost a lot of people who, when I very first moved there, probably could have been my friends because I felt like I had to turn every opportunity into some way to bring it back around to God. Or have you thought about will you go when you die? Anything like that. And it scares people off. Instead of just, let's be friends first. I guess my method going from that getting unbrainwashed from it is Mm -hmm. i'm gonna show people well hopefully they see it that you know i believe in god and i love him and everything by the way that i act and the way that i treat people we all know i have problems with that because i am a harsh person but you know what he created (laughs) us for some reason there can't always be tutti frutti sweetness all of us some of us Mm -hmm. have to be a little bit harsher my mindset on that has changed a lot into the fact that I don't need to do that every single time I'm in the grocery store. There is no fucking way, first of all. And second of all, I just want to get my groceries and go home. <laughs> when, I, when I also unbrainwash myself, I will tell you my experience of how sharing the gospel works is vastly different than I was led to believe it should be. I have had incredible, oh, yeah. deep, quality conversations about God and spiritual yes. things with people mm-hmm. that are not Christians. And it wasn't because the first time I met them, I was like, do you know about God? Where are you going when you die? Do you know that hell is bad? Yep. Instead, I mm-hmm. was just like, hey, do you want to be my friend? <laughs> yeah. Well, and if I you're care about friend, you as a those person. conversations <laughs> do come up. Yeah. At some point or another, you're going to have conversations with your friends that are, you know, it's 2 a.m. and you're talking about the deep, dark right. shit. And here's my story. What happened to you? And something. It usually follows aliens for some reason. Don't ask me why, but it does. <laughs> the whole God and spirituality and what do you think about this or that or the other thing of pertaining to biblical theology or history or what do you think about this? It's going to come up. Be friends yeah. first because mm-hmm. they're going to be way more open to talking to you about this stuff if you're just friends. 
You need not to show people random that hobo they off the matter. <laughs> yes. Yeah. People so. need to feel that they matter and are loved more than they need to fear hell. Okay? That's just currently in our current U.S. culture right now. If you make a friend with someone, they're going to connect with you because you have the same hobby, not because they're afraid of hell and need you to save them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. So maybe we all just need to take a little bit of veggie tales with us whenever we go right. places. Exactly. You know, God made you special and he loves you very much. And just leave it at that, friends. Bob and Larry had it right. Just let it be. <laughs> I like that. Thank you and good night. The adults are like, you're fine. You have a guy with you. I'm like, yay. I have a bead pole and a polo shirt. I feel safe. <laughs>